everybody. You are listening to the Shocking Profit Podcast. This is the show for business owners and leaders who are interested in finding new ways to claim and create value in their great companies. And I know a lot about great companies. The Shocking Profit is a practical and endlessly fascinating study of how to effectively run a company and build wealth. I know a lot about wealth, the art of the deal. A lot of people are saying that. Your hosts, Tim Van Majem and Eric Metz, have decades worth of business battle scars. They're great supporters of the country. They make America great again in the trenches with business leaders and who want to share their experiences to make the journey a bit less treacherous and a lot more profitable. Shockingly profitable, right? Good day, everyone. I'm excited to welcome you to Episode 7 of the Shocking Profit Podcast. I'm Tim. And I'm Eric. And we're just two guys you've never heard of trying our best to grease the wheels of capitalism. Tim, what's in store for us today? Well, Eric, we spent the last four episodes diving into the hidden value levers, the ways to drive incremental profit and to increase the value of a company that we find most often in businesses that we actually work at, see, and encounter. Today, we're going to jump into an entirely different mindset and address the topic of risk. I like it. And since we're in the midst of football playoffs, the risk topic reminds me of the old adage that a great defense is the best offense. And if we as business leaders aren't defensing against risk, I think we're just setting ourselves up for a bumpier ride as we try to grow the businesses. Amen. And I, I couldn't agree more. And it'd be hard to uh, to talk about the greatest defense is the best offense without talking about Mike Ditka and my 85 uh, Bears. <laughs> Indeed. He lived it. Indeed. Yeah. Was, was he the one that came up with that adage? Not sure. Uh, I'm sure he repeated it, but I think it's been around a bit longer than that. Oh, okay. I was going to give him credit. <laughs> Eric, before we tackle the risk topic, one of our listeners sent a question into Elwood, another great Chicagoan, <laughs> that he passed along to us to, to address. Jill C. is the president of a healthcare organization that provides services to U.S. military veterans. And she asked if she should continue using a longstanding vendor who's trusted and does good work, but they seem high-priced. Eric, how would you counsel Jill? Well, first... Clearly, Jill is hearing our message, um, it seems, about uh, shocking her profit and driving incremental margin out of her existing revenue stream, which I, which I love. The quick answer is that she should absolutely go get competitive pricing, right? As we talked about previously, making informed decisions as a business leader is really the key to shocking profit. And I think that knowing the price and service level range for all key inputs is uh, most definitely a best practice. And by by the way, it doesn't mean that Jill has to change vendors, right? But she can at right. least have the ammo to negotiate with uh, that vendor if she chooses to do so. So that's my two cents. Tim, I know you literally wrote the book on implementing supplier partnerships. Yes, so how would you how would you add to my thoughts? Yes, absolutely. First, uh, thank you, Jill, for the question. We're uh, we're honored that you sent it in, and we're happy to address this for you. You know, Eric. In short, I feel like uh, there's some suppliers we feel like they're partners because we've worked with them for a long time, 
and they have served us well. I'll never forget this one one time I was uh, doing a, an assessment for a company, and they had a large vendor that provided the bulk of their direct materials for their manufacturing process. And I asked them, you know, are they a good supplier? And they're like, oh my gosh, they're phenomenal. We call, they drop everything, and they're there within a day. Like, we haven't been down for long at any time because they really pay attention. And then I asked, well, how about the pricing? Do you feel it's competitive? They're like, oh, absolutely. I'm like, how do you know? And they, they looked around like they didn't want anybody here. Like, this was going to be a secret <laughs> right. that they were going to share. And they said, we haven't had a price increase in 10 years. Wow. It's like they were waiting for the other shoe to fall. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to them to think that they'd been overpaying for 10 years and that the, the supplier uh, simply didn't have the nerve to continue providing price increases. And sure enough, when we did do a competitive bid, they ended up generating a, a significant windfall and realized that that supplier was not actually truly a competitive supplier partner. So you, until you know that there's so many suppliers out there with different capabilities, with different needs and hunger, it's great to test the market. So thank you, Jill. And uh, I'll let everybody know, please check out the link in the show notes for information on the organization that Jill leads. Yeah, major, major shout out to Jill and what she does, as well as a shout out to all of our past and present service members. That runs deep in my family as well. So, and interestingly, really with regard to our topic of risk today, Jill's question certainly has applicability there as well as, you know, every business owner, um, as your case study uh, indicated as well, should be mindful of the pitfalls of being beholden to a single supplier, whether it's, yes, you know, by accident or, or by design. And we'll touch on that a little bit more later. So, Tim, how do you want to kick off the topic of risk here? Sure. You know, Eric, I think risk is one of the topics that often gets swept under the rug. It's not fun to think about negative things that could happen to the business. It's human nature to avoid it. You know, it's why we have insurance for catastrophic events. Risk management is sort of like an insurance policy of sorts for the uninsurable parts of the business. And being prepared is definitely a key element to shocking your profit. Today, we're going to select just a few of the major risk topics that we see in businesses today. We don't have time to hit them all. And listeners, if you have a specific risk area of interest and we don't cover it today, please send a note to Elwood at shockingprofit.com. Something you're exposed to that's not on this comprehensive list, we'd love to cover it. You can also go to shockingprofit.com for a broad list of risks that we have compiled. That's a great setup for why uh, we as business leaders must have a risk strategy. I'm curious what, you know, what your recommendation is for how our listeners should start to tackle this risk topic you know, inside their own organizations. Oh, great question, Eric, and I'd love to talk about it. And maybe the best way to do it is to talk through an example. And I'll talk about one that hits a lot of companies, which would be commodity price fluctuations. Many companies uh, make products that based on steel or use steel or resin or food ingredients or packaging, right? That that can be a significant part of cost of goods sold. And there is a risk that those prices are going to go up wildly or could even go down. 
uh, there's volatility. So here's the four main areas that we can talk around price fluctuations uh, that would help a company prepare. The first one is awareness. This might seem self-evident that your resin prices could go up or down. But you know the, the simple reality is if we're not aware of a risk, we're not going to take action to, to address it or to avoid it if, it if it does happen. The second one is preventing it. What are ways to implement this risk altogether? For commodity price fluctuations, there's plenty of options here. We can hedge. That could include you know, actually hedging instruments on the open market that add cost to, to your purchases, but it reduces or eliminates the risk in case the price does fluctuate. Another one, and we just talked about the benefits of testing the market and negotiating with suppliers, is to negotiate an effective contract where you can put in uh, clauses of what happens if the commodity prices change. So at least we, we may be able to prevent some short-term fluctuations in the market, and we can certainly uh, have a designed approach for what happens if it does occur. Yeah, putting a box around it. I love it. Put a box around it. Exactly. Exactly. The next one is to mitigate mitigate what happens uh, if we do get a cost increase on our in- internal components. And one that we have found that is amazing to look at is, does the company pass on a price increase to their customers when the cost of a raw material goes up? And this can be something that's negotiated up front or that happens when, when it happens. And, you know, we just went through a pandemic. And during that pandemic, freight costs, raw material costs, all were wildly volatile, even if you could get them. And guess what happened when anybody asked for a price increase to a customer? They got it. Nobody said no during the pandemic. And still there were companies that waited a year or two into it to ask for price increases. It's a very powerful tool and it it takes the risk of being told no to to exercise it. Yeah, as, as we've seen so many times, it's daunting for so many business owners that we talk to and business leaders to, you know, think about price increases. But again, not to... Um, keep harping back on the same topic, but to the extent that you've got, you know, comprehensive awareness and and knowledge of what's happening in the broader yes. market, you can, you know, more confidently pass these along and have those kinds of tough conversations with your customers. Exactly. And here's the the real issue though, if you don't do it, like there's lots of reasons you may not talk to your customer about passing on a price increase, but here's what it leads to is there's a risk then that your margins will deteriorate and could go away altogether. That you could end up upside down if you try to maintain your price without when you can't control the, the input cost. And the last one, the fourth piece here is how do we manage this risk? And this is putting into place the triggers and the approach to take immediate action when something happens. So for example, with the commodity price fluctuations, it's to put in some sort of trigger that says, hey, if we have a movement of more than pick a number, 10% or 20% to the base cost of our commodities, that will trigger us talking to our customers about passing along that change. Yeah. And knowing who and knowing who in the organization is going to 
take what kind of remedial action and and having that pre-thought through is is so important you know i uh, maybe just taking half a step back here you know we've been talking about a few specific risks that we've observed and from a case study standpoint and on a broader basis i think of risks as being either internal in nature uh, which are those risks that are inherent to the business that are largely within our control, and then external risks, which are almost always outside of any control of of any type, uh, certainly by by the business leader. And the best we can do there is to just be be prepared if they if they happen. You know, we can't stop a hurricane from happening, but we can be prepared to deal with one. Uh, we unfortunately, yeah, we unfortunately can't stop a war from happening, but we can understand how certain conflicts may impact our respective businesses. We were engaged with a business a couple of years ago that had a significant amount of their workforce based in the Ukraine. And, you know, unfortunately we're caught a little flat footed. And even though there was all the noise about a conflict potentially happening there, they were just paralyzed from doing anything because of the one, the enormity of it. Uh, so we get it. And then just, they just didn't have a plan in place. And so there's another example of just, you know, what we're talking about and how important it is to give this, give this some thought from time to time. You know, Eric, you make me think of, of a saying that we've run into many times that I've run into it personally. And it's, you know, we, we always think about, will we rise to the occasion? And that's not the good way to think of it. It's more we won't rise to the occasion as much as we'll fall to the level of training that we have. Our processes, the training, I'm sure you see that in hockey all the time. hundred <laughs> percent. And unfortunately, I always just <laughs> fell to the level of training. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tim, you know, your firm is hired by private equity firms to specifically evaluate operational risks. And perhaps you can share some risks that, that you see that are commonly overlooked. Yes. Yeah. From an operation standpoint, a lot of the risks that we look for are ones that often show up in year two or three. They often aren't things that come up in the first couple of months or what have you, but rather show up as you start to grow the company and expand in different ways. We, we have over 60, but I'm going to cover a handful here that'll paint a good picture. The first one we, we started talking about already is margin compression. How vulnerable is the company to negative margin pressure in future years, especially from things like we just talked about, volatile material costs? can also happen with labor costs labor, as yeah. labor costs change. Yeah. And this, the last three or four years have been a great example of that as well. Key person attrition. Some companies rely on one or two key people, and if they leave, it can dramatically impact their ability to fill orders or demand as they had been. They'll probably still be able to do it, but not at the same margin. Regulatory changes, things like this all can impact the margin of a company and are all things that we can take steps to either prevent, mitigate, or manage if they came about. Another one is unplanned CapEx. And Eric, I'm sure you've seen this, you know, when working on deals, uh, if, if someone's looking to sell a business, often they try to minimize their capital expenditures leading up to the sale to make cash flow look good. This also just happens though in regular course of businesses that 
companies, uh, some people uh, we see as an example will run machines to to failure. Like they'll run it until it doesn't work. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to believe that their furnace is ever going to go out or your hot water heater is going to go out or what happened to my wife and I this week is our washing machine kind of exploded, <laughs> right? That happens in businesses yeah. too. So, you know, I agree that thoughtful recognition of, of really when you're going to and, and a conservative approach to when you're going to need to, you know, make those expenditures and, and being realistic on what those costs are is uh, super important. You know, the next one is another one that was highlighted in the last few years, which is unplanned interruptions or the inability to continue filling. Like a pandemic, you mean? Like a pandemic, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And now we have, you know, issues with the Suez Canal. And I remember five, six years ago, there was a major strike at one port. And companies that had not negotiated or developed alternative routes Alternative suppliers, a second supplier, as an example, were exposed. And and I, and I think it can even hit closer to home. I've got a good buddy who has a neighborhood market just a few miles away from here. And there was a 12-month project that had the street in front of his market tore up. Oh. And, you know, I think that if you were to look back, there was, there clearly should have been awareness, but I'm not sure there was quite the right you know, preparation and, and recognition that it was going to create the disruption that it did. And so, yeah, everything from a global pandemic to just, uh, you know, the street being tore up in front of your business, are you ready to deal with that, uh, you know, fall off in revenue? Right, right. Another one that we run into is physical safety. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute too, but just Sometimes walking through a plant, there's some things that seem picky, like are you wearing your earplugs? Uh, do you wear your safety glasses? Are you wearing steel-toed boots? Companies that pay close attention to those things and take it seriously tend to have fewer life-threatening accidents and interruptions in the plant. I'll give you another example at the other end, and this is a relatively recent tour that I was on. In 2023, okay, modern day, walked through a company that had a roll of steel that was going through a roll form, which meant that this roll was feeding into a line where this roll of steel was passing through very quickly, you know, 40, 50 feet a minute. And there was no guards. (laughs) There was no walkway. If somebody tripped at the wrong time, they could have lost some kind of an appendage. And uh, this is like things that happened so often. It had been that way for many years. So it was invisible to the people there. Yeah. And if they were ignoring something as significant as that, what are all the little things that aren't being exactly, you know, where there's, you know, lack of attention and how does that manifest into reduced margins and downtime and other connected uh, costs? Yeah, not the least of which is, you know, this is going to sound funny. People need to feel and be safe at work. And if they aren't feeling safe, it it resonates through many different aspects. It's hard hard to fully quantify that. Yeah. The next one I'd like to talk about, there's actually two that are kind of related. One is reliance on tribal knowledge. Tribal knowledge means 
that the people in your company know how to run the business because they are running the business. They've done it. They know where where the parts are because they've searched for them before. And it works until somebody leaves or something changes. Yeah. Undocumented processes, right? Yeah. Undocumented processes. Yep. And a lot of times it relates to on-the-job training as opposed to onboarding, a, a thoughtful, you know, designed approach to bringing somebody on so they can be up and running and effective in a very quick period of time. Like it, it, you get a really easy example is, can you give somebody a work order, send them out into the warehouse and have them find it mm-hmm. without knowing anything about the business or the part. Right. And if you have to go ask the warehouse manager where it is, that's a problem. And and this works like this is one of those like hidden risks because while you have the people there who know what they're doing, it's not a problem. People enjoy it. They do well. They know who to talk to. When it becomes a problem is when you add a facility, you grow a certain, you know, past a certain percentage, uh, you add a new product line or you get hit by a tight labor market and you lose a few people and you have to bring on a handful or more of new people. And that is when it starts to unravel. Right. And we've had a number of companies where we've gone in where it became a turnaround situation. This exact issue turned into it becoming a turnaround where the owner could have lost the company because they had to throw so much labor at the problem that they were losing money on every single order. It's such an acute period of time and it can just happen. It can happen in a blink of an eye. So yes, exactly. And the last one, uh, (laughs) it's very related, but it's still different is reliance on systems and processes developed for a company, a fraction of your size. And I'll never forget this. Uh, and it's happened in different ways a number of times, but being in a plant and, finding out that the lady who scheduled the plant had not taken more than one day off in over a year. <laughs> it was a hundred million dollar plant at the time. And one lady knew how to schedule the plant and she did it every single day. And she could not take a day off. That was a disaster waiting to happen. And we, so many times when we're talking to business owners, right, we hear them talk about, you know, what, what is it that really makes your business special? And they will identify that exact scenario as, isn't this great that we have such a real staff dedicated and it is, it is great until it isn't. Right. (laughs) And then you've got to deal with, with the fallout. So, well, and what's great is you still have that dedicated staff, but instead of firefighting every day, they get to think and improve and, you know, do things different than what we're doing today. Yeah. Well, maybe in putting a bow on things here, you know, I think just to encapsulate this topic of risk is, as we've said before, is often overlooked until the symptoms are too painful to ignore. And, and it can be hard, we, we realize this, to slow down, focus on risk when you're experiencing growth and you're dealing with the everyday trials and tribulations of the business and taking care of the, the squeaky wheels. Right. And all too often, you know, we both have seen businesses lose a pound of flesh because the risks that grew in the shadows for, for a long time. So just be aware risks are, they're ever present. They encompass every nook and cranny of the company. They do not come into existence simply because we look for them. They're there. 
You know, don't, don't wait for chest pains to go to the doctor. <laughs> I love it. Is for how we think about it. Good sober advice, Eric. Well, everyone, that is a wrap. Thank you for listening. And we are honored that you chose to join us. Eric, what's coming up next? Well, today was about defense. In episode eight, we're going to focus on offense, how business owners can shock their profit by driving the top line, or as my hockey buddies would say, put in the biscuit in the basket. I love it. So this week was uh, defense is the best offense. Next week's offense is the best defense, huh? Or offense is the best offense. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Either way, it's right. a powerful and timely topic. Yeah, revenue makes up for so many other issues. I look forward to it. In the meantime, dear listeners, please tell your friends about us. And if you have a question, a challenge, or a life hack, please reach out to us at elwood at shockingprofit.com. And remember, everyone, focus on what matters to shock your profit. See you next time. Bye-bye.